Shall we begin? You are listening to Slice Radio, helping you slice through the noise and to better connect with the people most important to your business. Slice Radio is made possible by Simple Mind Inc., a consultancy that makes the value of complex businesses crystal clear. And now, here are your hosts, Todd Schnick and Michael Taylor. Good morning and welcome back to Slice Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Michael Taylor. Good morning, sir. Looking forward to this conversation. Good morning. Likewise. All right. Well, this is episode four, how to make a PowerPoint not suck like a PowerPoint. This is going to be, boy, I can tell you right now, Michael, thinking about this episode, how many countless hundreds, maybe thousands of PowerPoints that I've seen just sucked. So this is such an important conversation. Before we go there, however, remind the audience about why Slash Radio is so important. Well, there's two things we need in this world to get anything done, and that is one, other human beings, and two, the ability to connect with them. You know, whether we're selling something, whether we uh, need a support for an idea or a cause, communication skill is what's going to get you there. And so that's what we're devoted to is really up in people's games on communication skills and particularly those in business settings. Well, talk about a tool that is so vital towards, in theory, communicating information to a business audience, but one that is actually really hurting that that ability to communicate, and that's a PowerPoint presentation. So why is this episode so important? Why are we talking about this? Well, despite my best efforts over the last 15 years to actually get people to dump PowerPoint, I finally sort of declared defeat and said, hey, what can we do with this medium that everybody is going to continue to use, at least for the foreseeable future? How can we make it not a tool for very unintuitive communication. What, what can we do to completely reverse that and make it a great tool? It just strikes me, Michael, that the majority of the people who I observe their PowerPoint presentation seem to do it wrong because it's boring. It I lose interest. It doesn't actually convey anything of any value to me. But, you know, I've heard you say, don't think of this when you're setting up a, a deck, a presentation. Don't think of it as actually a PowerPoint. Think of it as a blank canvas. Why? Well, I think as soon as the computer comes on and as soon as the software is clicked on, people click on a style of thinking they may not even be aware of, right? So instead of thinking, um, I'm about to enter a moment of decision, which in fact, most settings are that indeed, right? You, maybe you get a shot at communicating to this particular person one time. But instead, what I see is people are getting together and thinking about the bullet points, and stuff they want to put on slides. And I see so much attention to that and so much attention putting into piling on content that I don't see the things that really make for a great moment of decision and communication, which is that deeper thing. How do we want to connect with these people? What is the pace? Is there a story underneath this? Can we tap into some deeper things, right? And so I think the style of PowerPoint which is collecting bullet points, has not helped us too much. I mean, there's a quote here by a guy named Don Watson, which I think is pretty funny. Everything language is, PowerPoint denies. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's it, though. I mean, and I got to tell you, Michael, I'm thinking about three previous episodes that we've done on this show, and that they all have very valuable lessons in terms of how to think about your presentation. I mean, and I've heard you say, don't think like a PowerPoint. That's not how we think about things, right? Right. You know what's funny? I think we hand over the leadership to our software. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when we turn that on, we start thinking of bullet points and then we call our, our peers and buddies and they're putting their slides in. I think we're handing over something far more powerful to a software program that isn't going to deliver that mm-hmm. power, right? You know, I often suggest just turn the damn thing off and get out some post-it notes, you know, right on those. So you're not thinking in bullets, you're thinking in flow and ideas and time, the way humans think, right? right? The way you, your audience is thinking. Your audience, that's right. I was trying to think about how would have Abe Lincoln have presented the Gettysburg Address on a PowerPoint? Can you imagine? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, Martin Luther King starting an entire movement. Can you imagine him clicking that on and looking up <laughs> at bullet points? Yeah, I have a dream speech via PowerPoint. Just yeah. probably wouldn't have changed the world quite like that speech. Uh, still resonates today. That was funny. So I've heard you say, stop using bumpers and fenders. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, it's part of the PowerPoint thinking, right? I've actually had people practically go into a panic because I tend to, whenever I sort of design or lay one out, I tend to mix it up. I take a lot of those, you know, the blue bars on the bottom and the logo's got to be here every time. And I say, I like to break it up and, and have it flow. <laughs> people almost panic. Like, well, where's the bar? Where's my logo at the bottom? You know, you don't need that. I mean, to have the same thing over and over again in front of somebody, there's a word for that. It's called hypnosis, <laughs> right? So we're not trying to hypnotize people. We're trying to present a powerful idea and a powerful story. And how do we do that? Think of a cinematographer. What do they do in a movie? Do they have people doing the same scenes exactly the same way? No. They have a rise and a fall, and then they have a few novelty shocking differences along the way. Well, you can do the same thing in a PowerPoint presentation if you don't think like PowerPoint. This isn't necessarily a medium to share words, right? This is more of a visual aid. It should be a visual aid, right? It should be a visual aid and use it that way. You know, if you have a lot to talk about, don't play it out in a series, you know, the sequential logical thing. The assumption with that is people understand in that way. Well, they don't. You know how people understand a complex idea all together in context? Because that's what we've been doing for 100,000 years. We've been looking out into the forest, trying not to be eaten, and then trying to eat. And we have to size up a lot of data. And that's how we understand multiple things. So, Use visuals to do that so people can make the connections in a way that is natural to them. I mean, you've made the case an effective PowerPoint presentation would be one image that shares the vision of what you're trying to do in one place. Yes. Talk about why that would be so impactful. Well, it's for the same reason I just described. You know, if you have a uh, complex process, whether or not it's linear is not as important as there to be a higher meaning and a flow to it. You know, earlier we talked about how the brain works, right? We can cluster things together, especially if we can see them together. Mm. So let's say you have some big, hairy process. I work with a lot of consultants, so we're constantly articulating processes. Why should I care to look at one, two, three through 100, right? Well, in a visual, you can show that. You can show what's happening by this process. You can show the levels of whatever improvements are being made, You can show the stages in a way that the mind can understand because it can group stages, right, by things that are meaningful. You can do that in a visual, but think about trying to do that, let's say a process that has color-coded stages and then each stage has a deep meaning in terms of specific improvement, right? Trying to trot that out over 40 or 50 slides, are you going to even, by the time you're in the tail, by the time you're at the end, you can't remember the middle. And it, it, it's very hard to and gather. The message is never delivered. And gosh, 
we couldn't do a conversation about PowerPoints by sharing the most common error that I see made where the presenter just puts up a bunch of words and in essence reads their presentation. And talking about that before, you made a really good point. Because when you just put all your words onto a PowerPoint, you're no longer an expert. No. And you've said people buy you and what you can say and how you can make them feel. And you transfer that away if you just put up words on a screen. Yes. Lots of words on a big screen is a life-sucking force, right? And guess where the force comes from? Your life, right? It goes from you to whatever you have up there, all right? And it turns into, you turn into a reader, okay? So that's not how it works. What is up there, what's up anywhere, supports you. It's in your body, speaking in the way that you speak. That's another thing. You need to connect yourself to what you're talking about. You can't do that with bullet points. We're all different. We're all different. People like other humans. So we speak a certain way. We all speak a little differently. But there is a little bit of magic in speaking the way that we speak. When you read bullet points, you become what I call wooden. You turn into a two-by-four up there, and you're methodically going through, and you might be covering all your content, and you may think you're doing a great job, but you know what? personality there. People aren't going to be motivated by a chunk of wood. Right. You're not leading. You're reading. All right. Well, Michael, you and I will revisit the idea of PowerPoints and how to do better presentations as the show continues. But that's it for today. And as we promised at the end of episode three, we're starting a new series here at the end of our shows, the Weasel of the Week. So it's time for today's Weasel of the Week. What have you got for us? Okay. So I'm going to read a statement and then I want you, Todd, to try to guess the company or at least the type of company. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Creating a successful and sustainable business requires more than financial results. The company places great importance, not just on what we do, but how we do it. Responsible business is embedded within the company's strategy (laughs) and is supported across business via our corporate responsibility agenda slash CR. Yes. Okay. What do you, can you, well, can you kind first of, have of all, an idea? that sounds like hundreds of thousands of companies, but it sounds to me like it's a force of good trying to do good things on the planet. You want to, you want to take another stab at that? Uh, it strikes me as a company that I, that, that is like doing charitable work. Like I'm thinking like charity water or putting in water wells in Africa to help people get clean water. Okay. Well, this is the world's largest weapons manufacturer. (laughs) Um, They create smart bombs and missiles that are efficiently, pretty efficiently destructive. Okay. Unlike the language. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's our weasel of the week. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Stay tuned for episode five, chunking the hard stuff and simplifying the complex. All right, Michael, before we go, where can people contact you should they have questions? Uh, you can try my email, michael.taylor at simplemindinc.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L dot T-A-Y-L-O-R at simplemindinc.com. All right. On behalf of my co-host, Michael Taylor, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you next week on Slice Radio. <laughs> <laughs>